In this passage, Jesus again reveals himself, who he is. And the religious leaders are still living in spiritual darkness and so cannot understand who he is. Yet the encouragement for us is that if we call out to him, he will open our eyes and reveal himself to us. Jesus is the light of the world. And I see that you have the page number there for the normal print, which is 1073 in the church Bibles. And for the larger print, it's 1628. So it's John 8, reading verses 12 to 32. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts, near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, And you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Jesus, what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand what he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.
I think if we're honest, most of us are probably afraid of the dark. The good thing is that um, uh, light is not normally very far away. Just uh, a light switch is the difference between light and dark. And even these days, phones carry torches on them. So it's easy to find our way through the dark. But if you've been in a place of real darkness, then it is quite scary. Once when Liz and I were were traveling in Chile, we went to visit a silver mine. It was uh, not a particularly developed one. It was um, a basic run, run by a small cooperative, and didn't really meet today's health and safety standards. But we were given a helmet, which is one thing, um, with a carbide lamp, which had a sort of naked flame on the front to help you see where you were going uh, through this, this mine. And at one point in the middle of this mountain, um, we sat down and we were told by our guy just to turn off uh, our lamps. And we were there sat in the pitch darkness. And the guy proceeded to tell us about a story how um, some of the young lads in there, often they're 15, 16, very young, um, carrying these big bags of rocks on their back. Um, it was one weekend when it was a fiesta weekend. And um, everybody went off on a Friday night to go and celebrate for the rest of the weekend. And this guy, nobody noticed, had been left behind. And he was there in the pitch black for three days until people found him uh, on the Monday. Light is a powerful image that we can, can all relate to. It's used a lot in the Bible. Uh, it's used as an image of something or someone that provides direction. So when God was guiding the people of Israel into the promised land, um, we're told in Exodus, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. But more often than not, it refers to spiritual direction and guidance. So in Psalm 119, the word of God is described as a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. But when Jesus comes into the world, we are told at the beginning of John's gospel, which we looked at, you may remember if you were here before Christmas, he was described as this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That metaphor of light is now used to describe a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a visitor here this morning, we're doing a sermon series at the moment on uh, the I Am sayings of Jesus in John's Gospel. Uh, Last week, we considered what Jesus meant when he said, I am the bread of life, in chapter 6 of John. And between that incident and this one in chapter 8, there's been a lot of discussion and debate and division um, within the Jewish leaders about who Jesus really is. And what we see is that those who actually have met him have been really affected by him. They've seen that there's just something very different about him. So if you've got your Bibles open there, if you just look at the end of chapter 7, for example, this is the temple guards coming back to the chief priests and Pharisees. And when they're asked, why didn't they bring Jesus in? Well, they say, is in verse 46, no one ever spoke the way this man does. And the Pharisees just don't really want to believe, and so they say, well, you mean he's deceived you as well? And Nicodemus, who's actually a Pharisee, also stands up for Jesus because he's met him uh, secretly, and he gets it in the neck from the Pharisees as well. So that's the background that leads into Jesus' next outrageous claim. 
And his claim we're looking at this morning is this. We see it in verse 12 of chapter 8. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There was a claim that immediately provoked controversy among the Jewish leaders who basically said, well, who do you think you are making such a claim? And so Jesus provides reasons to back up his claim. And we'll come on to that later. But let's first look at what did he mean when he said, I am the light of the world. He's obviously speaking metaphorically. But what is this light meant to do? Well, the first thing it's meant to do is that the light shows us that we are in darkness. The obvious thing about darkness is that you can't see what is there. But the longer you are in darkness, the more you get used to living without being able to see everything. So people with partial eyesight have to uh, get used to not seeing everything clearly. They, they adapt their way of living. And it's amazing how resourceful they can become. Got a picture coming up here. I don't know whether you should do a Christians and Sport quiz here. Anybody know the person at the back? Sportsman. There is one for the next one, Wellesley. <laughs> this at the back is um, Kelly Gallagher, who's nominated for the Sports Personality of the Year. Um, if she is a partially sighted British skier who won gold in the um, last uh, uh, Winter Paralympics. What she does is she basically follows the, uh, the red bib of her guide, at Charlotte Evans, in front of her. And she has a headset relying on where to go. And with that, she gets up to speeds of 100 kilometers an hour. It's quite incredible being partially sighted. She's learned, basically, to cope with not being able to see. And spiritual darkness, which is what Jesus is talking about, is the same. You get used to walking in the darkness to the point that you no, really, no longer really know that you are in darkness. But what is spiritual darkness? Well, first, it's not being able to see your final goal. It's not having any real purpose or direction in your life. You're not really sure what life is all about, where you came from, why you are here. What's the point of it all? You know one day you will die because everybody does die, but you don't like to think about it because we're well, not really sure you, where you will go when you do die. Or maybe you cling on to some vague hope that everything will just work out okay. But it just seems like you are in the title of that Talking Heads song a few years ago, on a road to nowhere. Well, maybe you do have um, certain goals, but maybe you've just taken the wrong turning in life. And instead of following the light that will lead you to eternal satisfaction, you strayed off the main road towards something which you thought would be a good goal, something which um, is good in itself, but hasn't given you the satisfaction that is lasting and eternal, which we looked at last week. Maybe it was uh, getting married and having a family, a good thing. Maybe having a, a nice house or getting to the top of your career, learning a new skill. All good things, but none of them brought the lasting satisfaction you were looking for. And you're not quite sure now how you get back onto the main road because you can't see it anymore. And while you're wandering, life just carries on. So each year comes around more and more quickly. And rather than heading for some ultimate goal, you know where you're going. You're just like you're on a treadmill, which keeps going round and round. 
what the light does is show us that we are lost, that we are in darkness. And the trouble is, of course, though, it's not like it's not something we like to admit because um, humankind's biggest problem is pride, isn't it? It's pride that says, "No, I'm not lost. Uh, I know where I'm going." If, uh, probably I'm talking to the men here a bit more, but if you've ever been in charge of a map and you're leading your family or your group, you're becoming increasingly suspicious that the route you're taking them on um, is leading nowhere. And they ask you the question, do you know where you're going? Do you know where we are? You say, no, we're not lost. I know exactly where we are. I know where we're going. Maybe that's just me. Um, (laughs) But what that pride means is when the light does shine... Instead of embracing it, you stay in the darkness because you know the light will show you where you've gone wrong. And rather than admit you've gone wrong and get back on the right road and know where you're going, you prefer to stay in the darkness. You prefer to justify yourself. Now, at the end of the day, going on a walk doesn't really matter. But when it comes to your spiritual life, it is a big issue. Turn back with me, if you would, if you've got your Bible there, to John chapter 3, a few pages back. John chapter 3, verse 19, which says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. It doesn't get much clearer than that, does it? We don't like to have our mistakes, our character revealed for what they truly are. We would rather stay in the dark. It's a bit like that feeling when you go to a party in a sort of run-down village hall or a, or a school hall, and um, when the lights are low, you get the feeling that actually it's, it's quite a nice venue. But come the, un- come the end of the evening, the lights go on and you look around and it's like, oh, just turn those lights off again. However far you strayed into the darkness, it's never too late to turn back and get on the right road. But why should we want to? Why should we want to come into the light? Well, the second point is that the light brings us out of darkness and gives us life. If you know you're in darkness and you want to get out of it, then when the light comes, it's a wonderful thing. We're at that time of the year when, uh, when it's dark. It's dark when we get up. It's dark when we come home. It's cold. It's quite miserable. And we're looking forward to the time as spring comes when the days get longer. There's more daylight. Imagine what it'd be like if you're in Norway in a place called Hammerfest where for two to three months of the year they're living in darkness. There's no daylight. Imagine how they feel when the sun comes. But why should we want to come into the light? Because light gives us life. And as the light of the world, the world has no other light than Jesus. Jesus said in verse 12, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in the same way that sunlight brings life to plants through the process of photosynthesis, don't ask me to explain that, Um, Jesus, as the light of the world, brings spiritual life. 
He's the one who gives us physical life, as we celebrated earlier with uh, uh, Olivia. She was a gift from God. But the thing is, however cute we may be as a baby, we are all born into sin. We are by nature people who are proud and self-sufficient and who don't think we need God. And if we carry on in that attitude, we will, as Jesus says in verse 24, very starkly, he says, we will die in our sins. In other words, we will receive the just punishment for rejecting him. And the only way we can avoid that, the only way we can be forgiven, is if somebody else takes the punishment that we deserve. And that is exactly what Jesus did. And it's amazing that he should want to do that for us. After all, from the beginning, people were given the choice to, to walk in the light, to follow God's ways, or to do their own thing. And they chose the latter. They ended up stumbling around in the darkness. We've all stumbled around in the darkness. And God could have said, well, I told you so. You people, you just thought you knew best. But he doesn't. And the Old Testament was full of promises that God will send the light. This is what he says um, through one of his messengers, the prophet Isaiah. He says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. He promises to make a way back to him. And once we receive that forgiveness and are brought into a relationship with him, then all those things we talked about before, of what it means to be walking in darkness the lack of purpose and meaning and daily struggles, they all suddenly take on a different perspective. Because now you know where you're going. And if you stumble on the way, you've got someone who will help you up again, who will make the rough places smooth. And the light, when you've seen the light, doesn't just reveal the darkness and the ugliness of sin, it also reveals everything that is good in the world, it makes it shine with its full and true beauty. You see things in a different way. Does that mean that if you're sitting here and you are a Christian, walking in the light means that everything is now fine? Well, yes, from the perspective of knowing where you're going and that we will get there. But it doesn't mean that from time to time we won't lose our way. Maybe we'll find ourselves straying into the darkness. And the question is, what do we do at that point? We have the same choice as before. We can pretend that everything is okay, or we can be honest and come into the light and have our problems exposed. And that may be painful, but ultimately we know that is what God wants. That is why we are told his word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. That is why we're told it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. And if we're committed to growing in Christ's likeness, then we need to be willing to have our brothers and sisters in Christ actually point out some of our problems, to rebuke us for our behavior, and not take offense. We need to be prepared, as the Bible says, to confess our sins, not just to God, but to one another. Okay, so Jesus has claimed to be able to offer life to those who follow him. In other words, he's basically claimed to be God. And unsurprisingly, the Pharisees challenge him by saying, well, you can't make such a claim. And then just defend it yourself. If you're going to make a claim, you need a witness to back that up. 
Well, there are two reasons Jesus gives to back up his claim to be God. And the first of those is his divine nature. This is what he says. Have a look down in verse 14. Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. Why? For I know where I came from and where I'm going. He is God, he's saying. There's no higher authority than him. Do you remember the, uh, the other Sunday evening when we were looking at um, the authority of the Bible? And um, as Mark was saying, as Christians, we say the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. Now you could say, well, that's surely a, a circular argument, isn't it? Um, for we people that like spreadsheets um, on Excel, we come up with a little warning sign, circular argument. The thing is, if you were to appeal to a third party, somebody else to to validate your claim, that person would have to have higher authority than you. But there is no higher authority than God himself. And so when Jesus says, if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, he is saying he is God. And the question that's being asked throughout John's Gospel is, do you believe that? Do you believe that I am God? And it's a serious question. Because he says in verse 24... He says, if you do not believe that I am God, I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. And having said that his own testimony is sufficient, he does, however, go on to say that um, I have another witness anyway. Someone else who carries the same authority. Somebody else who is God. God the Father who sent me. Because there are three persons in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, the second reason Jesus gives to back up his claim is his divine mission. Jesus has come on a mission. He's been sent by the Father to carry it out. And it will happen exactly according to the Father's plan and his timing. And that's why we have this phrase that comes up a lot in John's Gospel. Um, In verse 20 of chapter 8, it says, His hour had not yet come. At that point, nobody seized him, nobody put him to death because his hour had not yet come. But when his hour comes, when his mission is fulfilled, then the people will realize who he is. And so in verse 28, he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. In other words, when they've crucified him, his role as the redeemer of the world will be secure. He will rise, he will reign, he will shine forever. Well, I said last week that John's gospel is full of signs as well as teachings. Uh, The signs point to Jesus, they back up what he's saying. And so last week we had the miracle of uh, turning five loaves and two fish into food for 5,000 people. And that pointed to Jesus as the bread of life. This week there's another sign, but it comes a little bit later in chapter 9. If you look over the page at verse 5 of chapter 9, Jesus repeats what he says. He says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he goes on to do a miracle. He goes on to heal a man born blind, A man who is in darkness, a man who cannot see light. And he performs that miracle in a strange way by spitting on the floor and um, getting some mud and putting on his eyes. And the man can see again. 
And that illustration is of the miracle that God has performed in us. Because if we are a Christian here this morning, it's because God has opened the eyes of our hearts and our soul to see that Jesus is the Son of God. He is who he says he is. And he's enabled us to walk in the light. And the question I want to leave you with is, do you want him to perform that miracle in your life? Because you can carry on staying in the dark if you like. Jesus won't force you to come into the light. But as we've seen, if you stay in the dark, the future is not good, neither in this life nor in the life to come. The great news is that when we make the decision to seek Jesus, to come into the light, to follow him, then we will be released from the prison of darkness, where we're just trying to make do with partial sight. We'll experience the true freedom and the everlasting light. Look what Jesus says in verse 31 as we finish. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.